Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast, where the church's status quo and sacred cows get rounded up, simmered down, and dished out. And now, here's your chief cook, author, innovator, filmmaker, and founder of Group Publishing, Tom Schultz. Welcome to Holy Soup. Today we're talking about the Duns. That's a huge population of about 31 million Americans who have walked away from the organized church. They're done with church, but not done with God. But uh, they're not connecting with a local congregation anymore. And the question is, how are they nurturing their faith since they're no longer connected to a congregation? This phenomenon was uh, researched by sociologist Josh Packard and reported in his book, Church Refugees, which we've talked about here on Holy Soup before. Our guest today has a unique perspective. He's Brian Bennett, and he not only left the church, but he was a pastor for 25 years and a pastor at one of America's big mega churches. Now he's done, done with the institutional church, but he's not done with God. And he's found that a lot of fellow Duns are looking for spiritual nourishment, and he's trying to help. Welcome, Brian Bennett. Thank you, Tom. It's uh, great to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you. First of all, let's let's get a little bit of your background. Why are you a Dun? Tell us a bit of your story. Okay. Um, uh, first, I did not. I didn't grow up in the church. Uh, grew up in a great family, but not a church family. And uh, about the end of high school. Um, uh, found the church through a local youth pastor that was really cool and and uh so i i didn't ha- i didn't grow up in the church it wasn't part of my dna and then i followed some friends to bible college uh, and uh kind of got hooked and was exposed to a world that i really didn't know a whole lot about went the typical route of youth pastor and then small groups pastor and moved a couple of different churches and then ended up um a teaching pastor at what became uh, a fairly large church um, most recently, and that was eight years ago. It's been eight, eight years ago since I've been a pastor. Hmm. And uh, why did you leave? Why, why did you become a Dunn? Well, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I need to shoot straight with you. I, I didn't really give up on the church as much as uh, I think about five years before um, everything came down. And probably a lot longer, um, but I, I, I was battling, you know, pastors are human beings like everybody else, and I was battling my own faith issues and personal issues, but yet because of the high-profile position I had, I, I was still needing to churn out really good work. Um, and so I had, this, I had this civil war going on inside of me this whole time, and... Uh, and for a long time, I was able to manage that. And but as the as the personal as the personal things got more and more difficult to deal with, uh, I just be honest with you, I, I made some bad decisions, um, some decisions I I regret and hurt a lot of people. And suddenly, in in what seemed like a surreal, dizzying experience, um, I was on the outside looking in. Hmm. And uh, but it, but it's I, I I need to be clear that those are those are actions initiated by myself, and so I didn't really I did not set out to be a done. I ended up becoming one through the, over the last eight years has probably been I feel like everything that I ever knew and thought and 
and and and understood about God, I was turned upside down, shaken, and I piece by piece had to try to put this whole thing back together. Now, I understand that uh, after you had uh, uh, all of these experiences and, and uh, instances of, of uh, personal failure and so on, that uh, you left the church, but uh, you did try to return and visit various churches to see if you could plug back in. Is, is that right? And what happened? I, I did. Um, yeah, I did. And uh, I would go and I, w- I would visit, but I just I couldn't get grafted. Um, now I was looking at it from a very different point of view. I had experienced incredible personal trauma and I think even before, part of part of the the fade over the last five years is uh, I, I was I was starting to look at my job and what I did and, and felt such a disconnect with the real people. I mean, I could stand on a stage and I could see that wow, these people are hurting. There, hmm. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on here. But in this hour or hour and fifteen minutes we have, what we do is good, but it can't. It's not really addressing. All these people are still getting back in their cars pretty much with the same stuff that they they arrived with. And so now afterwards, now that this was me, I was feeling the same thing. I was, I, I had to pick up, I had to use every bit of energy that I had just to get myself to go. Hmm. And then that experience wasn't enough to meet me where I was, if that makes hmm. sense. They didn't. They didn't change anything. Mm-hmm. I changed. Well, are, are you saying that uh, since you were on the inside and you were a pastor, you got out and when you came back to take a look at whether it would be a fit for you as a person in the pew, are you saying that uh, you really knew too much at that point? You, you, you saw through what uh, the veneer was and uh, that then... Uh, so, appeared to you as something that would not work for you anymore? Yeah, and I don't know if it was a veneer. I, I certainly knew what was on the other side of the curtain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I also knew what it what it took. You know, it, it's an incredible responsibility to run a church of any size. I don't care if you're a, a hundred or a thousand. Um, I, I knew what the other side of the curtain looked like. Uh, but it, it all I can say is it just felt empty. Even here in the last a couple of months, I've I tried to take take my kids, and I sat there, and I'm like, there must be something wrong with me because all these other people seem okay with it, but I, I absolutely could not find the connection. And now most of my world is made up of other people who, for one reason or another, they they see it the same way. Hmm. Yeah, that was uh, another thing I'm curious about is how your story. Uh, is similar or dissimilar to others who you've run into who are also now in the done category. Yeah, and uh, it may help to know that you know I I didn't set out to I didn't even hear the term done until about a year ago. Mm-hmm. You know I I'm I'm now the, the things that I've learned and I, and I couldn't shut the pastor in me off. What I woke up on an island. Literally, I, I, I woke up, well, I guess not literally, but emotionally mm-hmm. and spiritually, I woke up alone. And um, I, I started noticing that most of the people around me now, they were, this island was, 
fairly well populated. I just didn't know it. Hmm. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm having conversations with, with people who they don't have an image to protect. Uh, they don't know me as a pastor, so the level of brutal honesty. I mean, let's not waste any time. Life's hard. Let's talk. I'm messed up. You're messed up. And it was refreshing. It, it was it was unlike anything that I had experienced hmm. for the twenty some years that I had been in ministry. Hmm. So, what I learned then, after uh, only until a year ago, after reading uh, Josh Packard's book, mm-hmm. I learned the term that is now being connected to the people that I was doing life with. Hmm. You know, I would imagine that there are some people who in fact, are listening to you now who are saying, people who are inside the church, particularly leaders inside the church, who are saying, well, yep, this is another guy who is uh, a fallen creature, and uh, he got burned, and his uh, uh, feelings toward the church through his own personal failures uh, got uh, seared, and now he's out. And uh, that's just one more example of somebody who is not dealing with their own issues and they're blaming it on the church. How do you respond to that? I, I, you, you've crawled inside my gut and, and said exactly what's kept me silent and, and kept me hidden for the last seven years. Hmm. Uh, I was afraid that saying anything would come off as justification, and, and, and I certainly don't mean that. I'm, I'm not a victim at all. Um, there's lots of people that are on the outside of this party looking in, but, you know, I, I desperately still want God. And, I, and Tom, for seven years, I felt like he was done with me and he should be done with me, and I had people on the inside even saying that he should be done with me. Hmm. And um, so I, I, the fear of what you just said is what is what has kept me in shame and guilt and kind of a victim stage for all this time and I don't know when the light bulb went on but it did and I found that you know if if you really peel away the stories God uses broken messy people to help other broken messy people and that's hmm. at at this point in my life that's really all that I want hmm. Well, you know, even uh, Jesus uh, approached this very issue, I think, when uh, he said that uh, a doctor is not here for uh, the well, but for the sick. And so if that is a picture or at least a part of what the church is to do, why isn't uh, the organized church, why isn't the community of believers in a congregational setting, why isn't that uh, precisely what uh, should work for you at this point in your life? I don't think that, and, and this is not an indictment against the institute. It's, it's not built for that. Hmm. It, it, it's built for more of a shotgun approach, especially on the weekend experience. And yes, there are recovery groups and there are those kind of things. But Tom, I, I think most people that are sitting in pews or chairs are living with the same lie inside of their head that I was living with from the stage. Hmm. And, and and the lie is, if people knew who you really were, if they knew what you really thought about and you really struggled with, they wouldn't like you anymore. 
Hmm. So you you better keep that hidden. And that and that is a lie. And that that may be true to some level that we can't just share everything about us to everyone. But I do think that that the enemy climbs in our heads, and he, and I I think that lie is true about every man and woman that are sitting there. Um, and that so the experience itself, showing up and sitting in a chair and looking at the backs of a bunch of other people's heads, it's not really built, I think, to be able to get to the core of, of this level of, of hurt. And I don't know if that's true about all duns. Uh, I'd be curious to see that, it, it, and that's been my experience, mm-hmm. is that um, there's been something. There, there's been something go on where that experience cannot get through the layers that I need them to get through. Hmm. What is it about the church? And when I use that uh, term, I'm I'm talking now about uh, the contemporary organized institutional church, uh, a system that is created by human beings. uh, That, what is it about that system that, uh, causes that situation to occur like you just described, that people can come and, and sit in the pew and feel that uh, they can't be themselves? I don't, I don't know if, it's, if I'd say social norms or if it's fear or if it's our, if our, our lack of ability in the last few generations to have uh, true conversation. I, I, don't know, I don't know if I can put a... Put a a pinpoint on it, uh, what I do know is that once you've experienced it, like the people that I talk to now um, as part of uh, Freak Island, their ability to get to serious conversation in a moment is shocking. To, it, 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 initially, a year and a half ago, it was shocking to me. Now I expect it. Hmm. I, I think people are looking for that kind of honesty. Um, for whatever reason, I, I don't think that they attach that opportunity to a church experience. And, that, and that's certainly not true for the, the millions who still go, but for the 31 million that you mentioned, I, I would suspect that many of them would find that same thing to be true. Hmm. And this, this um, aspect of people being afraid to reveal themselves, it, uh, it, it, I think it calls for something that we've described as fearless conversation, where there's no topic that's off limits, there's there's nothing that uh, is inappropriate for us to talk about at church. In fact, that, that ought to be the place where we are talking about some of the most sensitive and, and difficult issues. But what is it about how people have shaped the contemporary church that uh, doesn't allow for that? Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's, I don't, I don't know what, whether the, it's the chicken or the egg. I don't know which happened first. Uh, I don't know if we evolved uh, to this point. I don't know what it was like generations before this. I, I do believe that in our current um, culture, there is more of a need and, and more of a desire and freedom to want to talk about those kind of things. I don't, I'm not sure that the church itself has changed. I, I think the needs of people who are looking for honesty and looking for answers, I think that's changed. And, you know, I'll take, a, for example, um, we just celebrated last weekend or, or recognized the 15th anniversary of 9-11. Mm-hmm. I, I was still a pastor when that happened. And that Sunday, 
and for the next month, the population and attendance in churches nationwide skyrocketed, mm-hmm. if you remember. Mm-hmm. But then a month later, we were right back to where we were. Mm-hmm. And, and what, I, what I suspect happened was droves of people came looking for something. We had experienced a collective trauma that needed to be medicated and dealt with. And because there wasn't another organization like the church, everybody went back. But then a month later, I think what they saw was this experience can't get to what I need. Mm. And so a a month afterwards, we're we're finding ourselves right back to where we were. Mm. Well, you know, you... You have come out of uh, a staff on a mega church, and many people say that uh, that Sunday morning experience has been. Uh, some people would even use the term "perfected" at uh, the mega church. That 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 experience has has become so refined that uh, that's where many other churches are looking to find uh, inspiration or guidance or instruction on how to do Sunday morning. I'm curious from your perspective now that you've uh, had the experience that you've had and now you are on the outside, what have you reflected about the characteristics of of the large church in America and how those characteristics may or may not contribute to the factors that might cause people to join the Duns? Well, that whole movement was was built on the seeker's need to stay anonymous. So Mm. you could you could walk into a, a, a large room, the lights were out, you could sit in the back, no one was going to call you on Monday or bring an apple pie to your house. So the whole, that whole movement was built on protecting the anonymity of, at that time, what, what we felt people needed was, I need a safe place to come in and just zone out and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that we have, we have progressed past that. And now what's, what's needed by the Duns, who may be the current seeker, I think they're looking for something different than that. So, you know, I, I think on a weekly basis, the millions of people that are streaming in, it is a good experience, but it's not community. And, mm. and I, you, you use the word, it is a, it's a great experience, no different than going to an inspirational concert or a movie, but it's a very one-way uh, kind of relationship if that's all you're doing. Hmm. As, as you've been meeting with uh, like-minded people, other people who have left the church but they have not left their faith, the Duns, what are you hearing from them in terms of, of what they're looking for? They're looking for, for lack of a better way to put it, help on demand. Um, I, I decided about a year and a half ago to stop to stop living where I was, and I used my own little Facebook circle as a sample to go out, and I, and I came out strong. I came out um, and, and very honest, and I just wanted to see if there was any traction, if anybody resonated with what I was saying, and immediately I got a response, and so I, enough that it surprised me. And I experimented different times of the day, and I finally landed on a good time to post things. It was like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night because everybody was putting the kids to bed, and they were scrolling through Facebook, and they would see a post that I would put up. And almost immediately my 
my private message box would start to light up. Hmm. And and I think I hit a nerve. You know, their guard was down. They were at home in their sweats or in their own comfortable chair or whatever. And they wanted to talk to a human being. They did not want someone to solve their problems. They, did, they didn't want me to shove a book at them or tell them to go to a class. They just wanted another human being who understood where they were coming from to say, I hear you, you're going to make it. Hmm. And, and they, they knew, and that's one of the things that, one, one of the, I guess, principles that I'm, I'm driven by is if I see someone um, message me or want to talk, even if I can't have a conversation, I, I almost immediately respond. I had it happen just this morning on, on the way to have this conversation. And uh, they, they need to know a warm body's out there where back in the church days, and I still have friends that are counsel, lay counselors in churches, and they say if a person is brave enough to call the church and want an appointment, they may be a week or two weeks out from being able to make an appointment, sometimes longer. Mm. Well, a person that a person that needs help, they need it now, mm. and that's what I'm that's what I'm hearing mm. a lot. Um, you know, one of the remnants that I still have from my former pastor days, uh, I, I lost my mom six years ago, and uh, I was still being called occasionally to do funerals. And I'll, I'll try to make this brief. One of the larger funeral homes in Dayton. Um, they they hired me to do all of the funerals for people who don't have churches, which mm. is now it's now about 50% of all families that are coming in, they don't have a pastor or a priest to do that for them. Mm. And uh, so I was having these conversations, and what I learned is the people that I were meeting with, they were duns. Mm. And now they lived in a little bit of fear because they knew how we did the Christian math in America is if you're a Christian, you go to church, and if you're a church, you get to go to heaven. Hmm. Well, now mom or dad is gone. They haven't gone to church for 15 years, or we don't go anymore, and they were almost apologetic about it. And I was learning that this world, I was, my, world my private experience, my personal experience, was colliding with the done statistics almost daily. Hmm. What uh, what other things have you heard specifically from this Dunn audience that they miss about the local church, and what do they never want to encounter again? I think what they miss is an opportunity for spiritual conversation, and I mean that uh, a two-way conversation. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're pretty smart people, and they have ideas, and they don't necessarily want to sign on the company line. Um, and so I, I think they miss that honest uh, dialogue mm. that, doesn't, that does not have to end in agreement, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And for them, the Sunday morning experience especially was uh, really a one-way street. Yes, and, I, and I, then I think the other thing that, that also addresses the second part of your question is they want to attach their purpose. They want, they want to attach their identity to something that they're passionate about. And, and I think in the church, um, there's this running menu in the back of your mind. If you're a pastor or a, anywhere on staff, you've now created hundreds of volunteer slots that have to be filled every week just to keep the machine running. Mm-hmm. 
So when I meet with a person, I'm not necessarily as excited about what God may be doing in their life out in Little League or in their business or wherever that might be. And I think this is a subconscious thing. What I'm really interested in is how can I convince this person to fill one of my volunteer slots because I have to have that to keep this thing running. And and what I'm hearing from a lot of people is I, I, I want I want to be built up so that I can go be a better boss or teacher or little league coach or whatever it is that I'm out there doing because that's what I'm passionate about. Mm. They're looking for a relationship. They're not wanting to be someone's pawn. Yes. Yeah, I, I would say to a, to a degree that's true. Mm. You know, research that uh, we've done shows that um, about 10% of current churchgoers, current churchgoers, are ready to leave. They're ready to join the Duns. What would you do differently today inside a church to help stem that kind of exodus? I think I would, I would create some forums to, to listen to them uh, more. I, and I want to, you know, I'm not, I am, I am not anti-church. Mm-hmm. I, I went through a long period of anger because I wanted to feel like I, I wanted to wallow in my own story, and, and I don't do that anymore. I, I think the, the, the church can be a good experience for a lot of people. And ideally, what I'm trying to do on Freak Island would be to come alongside the church and provide a niche that the, that the institution is simply not set up to do. So for those, for those 10% that are questioning I think I would create some forums to just listen to what they have to say. I mean, mm-hmm. on, honestly listen to mm-hmm. what they have to say. Um, and, uh, and try to create some more venues that, that maybe are more uh, two-way kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought about it. Um, you know, could, could what I'm passionate about now be done within the confines and call it a church? I'm not sure, because they're really two very different animals. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned a couple of times Freak Island. What is Freak Island, and how do you hope to reach out to the Duns? Well, you know, uh, originally, when I still live in the area that I, that I used to be in, so people would, when they'd see me, uh, I would have a conversation, and, and they would ask me how I was doing, and just to kind of pass it off almost as a joke, I said, you know, I'm kind of out here on Freak Island, and but, uh, but it's okay. I'm doing okay. I'm surviving. And... Uh, then as I, as I started talking to more people and inviting more people into my life that were like me, I, I started a year and a half ago this, this online social community, and I spell freak, F-R-E-E-K, not F-R-E-A-K. Mm. And um, because what I have found is that the, the lie that I was scared of for probably 20 years of my adult life finally embracing the good and the bad and the ugly parts of myself, I finally have freedom that I never, ever had before. And so what I hope to do with Freak Island is to provide a safe place for people to understand their own story. Don't edit, don't edit out the junk. Don't feel embarrassed about any part of it. Just understand that your whole story is part of your story, and the only way you're ever going to achieve any kind of freedom is to embrace that. So my my dream is what what I found out. I didn't I didn't start out to do something for Duns. Uh, 
I started out to do something for, for people who were like me, and now I found out in the last year that I think it's a great strategy for Duns hmm. is, to, is to provide community and resources and, and, and a place to go for people who are on the outside uh, looking in. Hmm. Well, thank you, Brian. Uh, for our listeners, uh, I really recommend that you uh, give a look to uh, the book Church Refugees that we've talked about a couple of times by Josh Packard. And uh, I think you'll find some uh, very helpful information on understanding this audience of the Duns and uh, how we might uh, address them as Duns and also how we might, uh, those who are still inside the church, how we might revamp and, and revise how we're doing ministry in order to uh, reach people in a way that uh, does not cause them to join uh, the vast Dun uh, population. Also, uh, you can get another eye-opening view of this whole phenomenon in uh, the film When God Left the Building. It's now available as a DVD or streaming on Amazon and uh, on Vimeo. Thank you, Brian Bennett. How can people follow your work? Uh, we, I have a Facebook page called, uh, it's called Freak Island, F-R-E-E-K Island. And then we also have a website, uh, freaktofreak.com, and that's F-R-E-A-K, the number two, F-R-E-E-K dot com. Mm. And that's where you'll find the resources and a couple of uh, projects that I'm working on and, and uh, the ability just to have what we hope is honest discussion. Great, great. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you all next time on the Holy Soup podcast and blog.